Welcome to another episode of the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today, Brother Chris Branch from Richmond, Virginia, will be talking to us on this subject, Spoiled Fruit. Thanks for tuning in. I thank staff, um, student body, uh, leaders. Thank you for trusting me with the mic, you know. Um, and you guys, thank you all. Uh, you guys are my peers, you know, you're my friends. And just look around, look to the left. Like, we're all here really for one purpose. And what brought us here may be different, and our giftings may be different. But you guys love God. And I'd say 98% of you are here because you want to be used by God. And because you feel like there's a call of God on your life. So thank y'all. Shout out to y'all. You can be seated if you'd like. Uh, I want to keep standing for a long time. So uh, the text is Matthew 7, 16 and 20. I sound crazy right now because my sinuses are like literally like going crazy. So forgive that if I sound weird. But it's actually Matthew 7, 16 through 20. Uh, and this is Jesus talking. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. And then we're going to go over a little bit to uh, Matthew 12, 33 through 35. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. It's a little heavy, uh, just the text in itself. But as my pastor has said to me, and to anyone who's ever spoken out pulpit, if it's of God, make no mistake for it. Make no apology for it. Don't change it. When God speaks to you, you say that. And I look around, and Zach, you preached one time, and you were like, man, statistics say that, like, what what was the percentage of something that, like, who will be here or won't be here? It was less than half, a little under half. And I think back to my freshman year, you know, and my sophomore year, and this year, about there were times where we'd be in the room sitting and hanging out, and someone would open up Instagram, and They're just scrolling, and it's like, oh, oh, bro, no, dude. Such and such ain't in church no more. Such and such, she's cutting her hair, or such and such is doing this, or or this guy is doing this, and he's posting pictures in the bar, and he was, you know, this and that. And they were peers. They were friends. That's why I said look around, really. 
They were worship leaders. They had passions to be a pastor. They, they wanted to do something with their life for God at one time. So I thought, why? Why? What causes people to come here and live on this spiritual mountaintop and you get preached into a frenzy every chapel service, every prayer meeting, you're on your face, you're feeling the presence of God, and you're just like, man, I'm going to do something. And then some people leave here and they give up. And even in this place, when you preached that message, I looked around and I was like, dude, those numbers are crazy. Those numbers are crazy. Of our friends, your friends, my friends, that won't be here anymore. So I asked the question, why? And the reason I chose the two texts is because Jesus... In chapter 7 is um, it's the Sermon on the Mount. He's ending that. Chapter 12, he's talking to Pharisees. So we all know the Pharisees and how they were hypocritical and they were legalistic. Bad people. Obviously, they have bad fruit. No question. We get it. But then I went to chapter 7, and God's just talking to his followers. Jesus is he's stating to them, to his followers, not bad people. So it led me to believe, and the title of the sermon, small little sermon, Spoiled Fruit. Spoiled Fruit. Brother Rodenbush, if you could pray real quick, just, just over the side. So if you didn't know by now, fruit is a representation of your character, of your heart. It's the things that no one really sees, but you can see most of the time through people's actions, by what they say, what's really in your heart. Will we agree on that? Cool. Um, So then I started wondering, why fruit? Why trees and fruit? If you didn't know, which you probably do, fruit has one purpose. Food has one purpose, and that's to nourish others. So yes, your character and how you are and how you present yourself, so forth, is essential for your salvation. But as leaders and people who are called, it's to nourish others. So if I had an apple in my hand, let's just pretend. I got an apple in my hand. And I was like, Mark, I got some fruit, bro. But it had a little speck of mold on it. I toss it to you. You're tossing it back every time. If I was just like, mm, Austin, I got, got this apple, bro. Uh. And you eat it. Nine times out of ten, you eat that apple, it will make you sick. It will make you sick. And people don't just pluck mold off of apples. And if you do, you're weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> so really, I mean, think about it. Mold. Spoiled fruit. Um, And the scary thing about mold is it grows. It grows over time. So it might start small, you know. Oh, it's just a little carnality here, you know. 
It's just a little, you know. But by your junior year, it might be pornography. It might be fornication. And uh, it's serious stuff. Again, it's the fruit. It's the heart. No one sees that. You can hide it real well. It's just the truth. So I was reading 1 Samuel because I got this like, like four weeks ago, but had like nothing for it. I was like, all right, God, that's cool, I guess, when Brad told me. And it got delayed and delayed and delayed. Good thing. But I was reading 1 Samuel, and we all know about Saul and David. All right. So we all know about Saul and David, and we know the great things that David did. But 1 Samuel, the book of 1 Samuel, as Bible college students, should be one of the scariest books in the world to you. And here's why. Samuel, chosen by men, chosen by men, but anointed by God. He had what it takes in the eyes of men. You're here because you have what it takes in the eyes of men. When you leave here, whether it be in two years, one year, three semesters, four years, you're going to have that piece of paper in your hand, and people will say, because you went to IBC, you have what it takes. And it's just the truth. How many times have you ever went to a church and they say, oh, uh, you went to IBC, right? And you could probably be the worst singer in the student body. And they would say, come on up here and sing. Come on. I'm telling you, I have walked into a church visiting a friend and, like, just hanging out. And they said, oh, you go to IBC? I'm saying the praise team. was not there for practice. was not there for prayer. It was just because of this title. Saul had what it takes. He was anointed by God. God approved of him. But Saul, something went wrong along the line. Something went terribly wrong with Saul. And here's the scary part about it. After, I can, uh, twice, twice, confirmed signs that God's not with you anymore. Saul was still king. Saul was still king. And sometimes we take position and we look at it as confirmation as, I'm okay. I'm still a youth pastor. I'm okay. I've got these problems rooted inside my heart, but I'm okay. I still get to sing my solos at live recording. I'm okay. I still get to lead in chapel because no one knows what's going on in the dorms. So I'm okay, but it's not okay. Because if you look at Saul, the way he ended his life, he fell on his own sword. You will destroy yourself. No one else may get you, but you will slowly fall on your own sword. Jonathan was robbed of a kingship. He was supposed to be next. Jonathan was supposed to be next. But because of Saul, God found another. David is only there because of Saul. In his faithfulness and Saul's unfaithfulness, we have David. It's not because, oh, it was supposed to be David. No, it was Saul. It was supposed to be Jonathan. Your actions affect people. Your character affects people. It's just the truth. And sometimes we think, oh, if I I just do this and I just do this, maybe I I can get away with it. It's not true. 
Jonathan was killed because of Saul. Jonathan was a good man. He befriended David. When he knew Saul was after David's life, they were best friends. And he loved him. He cared for him. But because of Saul, Jonathan paid. The reason I'm bringing that up is because, yes, your fruit will save you, but your fruit will save others. Again, with the apple example. You're leading people. You're leading kids. Spoiled fruit. Bad trees don't produce good fruit. It doesn't happen. Brother Galleon always says, oh, man, you have these sometimes PKs that take a church or a minister comes in, they take a church, and they destroy that church. Brother Mooney said it so many times from Calvary. Women that sold peanut brittle to raise money for churches and build churches, and these pastors come in or these ministers come in, and they wreck lives. Can you imagine? Could you imagine? If I was y'all's pastor or something, I don't know, whatever. And then, like, I'm up here preaching, but, like, I'm, I'm smoking and having sex with women in the congregation, but you don't know it. Your gifting will make room for you, but the anointing changes people. Think about if you're that kid that you went to Youth Congress and you heard this preacher that changed your life and then in five years you're in Bible college and then you get on Instagram and you see he's not living anymore. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's your fruit. It's the heart. You can come here and you will learn how to lead worship. I did not lead worship when I got here. You can learn how to move a crowd. You can learn how to connect with people. You can learn how to create sermons. You can learn how to do all these things, but it won't keep you. It won't keep you. In Luke chapter 13, verse 7, there's a parable. And there's a tree again, obviously, and it doesn't bear fruit. And he cuts it. He says, cut it down. Cut the tree down. Cut it down. And he said, why? Why, why should we cut it down? Because it cumbereth up the ground. Do you know what that means? It's useless. It's just taking nutrients in soil, and it's purposeless. That's why Saul killed himself. Why? Because you can only last but so long. For God eventually, he has to cut you down. He'll cut you down so fast. And, like, I know I might be talking about, like, fornication and lying and pornography, blah, 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 blah. And it might not be that for you. It might not. It really might not. Because it, I was, like, you know, I'm good, you know, blah, blah. No, it wasn't that. Last semester, um, I wasn't here. I was home. And the semester before that, I left early. I went home. Lots of crazy stuff going on. And... If you had saw my grades because I left early, it was bad. Like, it was bad. But in spite of all that, my pastor was like, you're home. Um, I want you to plug in. You know, I want to use you. you. You've got some music training. You know, you've been doing this. I want to use you. So I did. And it was cool. I got to be on staff. And I got to work with kids. And I got to do all this and that and this and that and this and that. And it was fun for a little while. 
But things are growing because, like, I know how to work with people. I know how to get a couple kids to sing a couple songs on a Sunday. Like, I can play keys a little bit. So the gifting was fine. But I started having problems. I started butting heads a lot with, like, not really my pastor, but the people I'm supposed to be working with that were also, like, on staff. And Brother Kilman's not here, but I remember calling Brother Kilman, and I'm just like, I'm not supposed to be here. I left school early. Like, I'm supposed to go back. Like, that's where everything's going wrong. And he's like, oh, but, but stay submitted. He's like, it's cool. Work it out, but stay submitted. And the whole time in my mind is going through that, I'm like, dude, this is, this is crazy. Like, what, what's going on? But had I looked in the mirror, see, if you know me, I'm a little hard-headed sometimes. It would be a little hard to work with. And that seems very small, but in that hard-headedness, it caused a, a lack of full submission. I couldn't fully submit to the people that were over me because I was hard-headed and I like to do things my way. Unsubmission is witchcraft, by the way. It's witchcraft. It is. And partial submission is no submission. It's like half a lie is not truth. It's just what it is. And it was causing me to not be able to submit. And what did I have? I had a fruit problem. I had a character problem. I couldn't put myself to the side to work with people. And, you know, the youth group was fine. The youth group was cool. It was growing. So, like I said, the gifting was fine. But if that had festered, if that had festered and kept boiling and got bad, you know what happens? That's why you have church splits. Because people leave. And things are bad and people get hurt behind closed door with staff and with church leaders. And they're like, oh, I'm leaving. I'm going to go do my own thing. It's a small example, but it's serious. Because you might go to a church and your heart may be bad in some area and it may cause, I don't know, some type of thing. And though you may be preaching good on hyphen Sundays and you may be leading good on Wednesdays and Sunday nights, Behind closed doors, you're causing a ministry to divide amongst itself. And it destroys. So no, you you may not be watching pornography in your room at night when no one's there. You may not have a lying problem. I don't know what it is for you, but we all have those things. And your character is what keeps you 20 years from now. Your character is what will allow you to be able to look on Facebook and be like, yeah, that's my friend. He's still there. He's still living for God. The heart, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. So, I don't know. It wasn't long. Like, I, I, I didn't call Brother Kilman back because when I realized that, it was like, oh, it's me. It's not them. I literally came to my pastor, and I was like, I scheduled a meeting. I sat down, and I'm like, you know, pastor, you know, this and this. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, you know, pastor, all this is going on, and I'm trying. And, you know, this is good. This is good. And he just sat there, and he's just like. Because the thing about my pastor is, like, when he's about to get you, you don't know what's coming. You're off guard, and he smiles. And he says it with love. I love my pastor. 
But he said, after I went on my spill, he said, you know, Christopher, a lot of people have come through our church. There's been a lot of ministers. And a lot of people have told me what you told me. A lot of people have, you know, gone through it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. He, he's about to say, oh, you're good, Chris. Don't worry. You're, you're good. You're fine. And he looks at me and says, but what about you? And it's just like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, what you mean, what about me? I just sat here upset, emotional, letting you know that, man, it's just not working out. Maybe it's just I'm not supposed to be, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, but what about you? And he goes down this list of doom, doom, doom. And he just, he looks at me, he points his finger in my face, and he says, it's you. He said, boy, I'm not going to fail you because it's your character. It's your character. It's, see, character, you know, it's who you are when no one's looking, but it's really true. We could pass the mic around, testimony service style, and, like, y'all could preach the house down probably way better than I can or sing and do something. And for that reason alone, churches are going to want you. They will. It's the truth. And it's sad, but they'll be like, we, we need that. We need that. We need that. But it's the heart that matters. It's the heart that will keep you. It's the heart that won't destroy lives and wreck lives and wreck ministries and kill Jonathan's and cause kingdoms to fall and won't cause you to fall outside the will of God. I know I wasn't shouting. I know I wasn't like losing my mind, Pentecostal shouting, you know. And, but it's just that thought spoiled fruit. That's really all I have. It may not have been like 25,000 feet deep, and it may have only been for literally one person in here, but I'm okay with that. So, thank you guys. I love you guys. That's all.